listening to the Art of Fulfillment podcast. We interview the world's most fulfilled people to share with you the strategies, techniques, and ideas that can help you master your own art of fulfillment. Life isn't about external success. It's all about fulfillment. Or in other words, how you feel about yourself when you are by yourself. Our guest today is Freddie Fry, who is a leading expert and one of the very few authentic hip-hop motivational speakers in the education and life wellness arenas. His story is one of tragedy to triumph, where he overcame his mother passing away when he was four years of age, mental abuse from his stepmom, being bullied in middle school, selling crack cocaine, being a single dad of four children, and dropping out of college, to the transformation to a successful business owner, world-renowned hip-hop artist and motivational speaker, and top AAU basketball coach and college graduate. Ultimately, Freddie is passionate about inspiring students, educators, and everyday people to overcome and win every day in school and in life. He is most passionate and experienced in helping academic achievement, teacher motivation, teacher connections with students, and helping everyday people push through their daily dilemmas to become the champions they were born to be. So please, without further ado, help me in welcoming my guest to the Art of Fulfillment today, Freddie Fry. Enjoy the episode, guys. Freddie Fry, welcome to the Art of Fulfillment podcast. How are you today, man? Man, I'm. Hey, it's it's Wednesday, so I'm I'm winning. It's winning. <laughs> I'm winning. Absolutely, dude. I love that, and I love you know that attitude that you bring to life. Yes. Oh man. Make every day a Wednesday. I love that. Yeah, for, those, that's right. for those who are listening right now, he's got a shirt on that says make every day a Wednesday. And oh man, I love that. And it's, it's just a matter of perspective, right? I was just talking that's to right. someone about that and it's, it's how you view the world. And yes, it's, it's really interesting because um, I think a lot of people who go through really rough backgrounds will see the world in a certain way, but for the background that you have, right? I think, there's a lot of people who are in that spot who will see a world in a certain way, but you have like learned to totally transform, you know, the way that you look at the world to ultimately get to where you are today. And um, so, so if you can just give a kind of a background about where you were and like the adversity that you went through and how you overcame that to become the passionate and the inspirational person that you are today, who is just absolutely, you know, crushing life and, and feeling fulfilled ultimately. Well, first and foremost, I think the listeners thought when I said it's a Wednesday, they thought I might be talking about the day of the week. Every day <laughs> is a Wednesday. That's right. how I look at life. I'm trying to win each and every day of life. Now, as far as that goes, me telling part of my story and what I overcame and things that I can do with one or two ways. I can do it in hip hop form or I can do it in conversational form or I can do it in both. Show, you tell me what you want me to do. Yeah, let's, let's get a little bit of both. Let's get a little bit of both. Okay, so I'm going to start off with the hip hop form and then we can backtrack yeah. off of that. I always have fun with this because I, I use hip hop as part of everything that I do. Hip hop saved my life, by the way. So that's I how it. I look at it. I love it, man. So here it. we go. Tapped into my wildest dreams of being great. Demons through their hook. I almost took the bait. Was hungry for success, but couldn't get a plate. I wished for greatness early, but my genie only granted late. Ooh. Mama's sick. Doctor's diagnosis faulty. 
prescriptions messed her kidneys up. That still haunts me. They told her not to have me, but she wouldn't abort. She said no, even if it cut her life short. In the car with mama slumping, daddy speeding. Final breath was taken, left my heart bleeding. I was age four. My mommy got her wings early. I still question why she didn't live to see 30. Papa scooped me up and took me from that drama. At least it wasn't until he met my stepmama. Crazy is, it's crazy though. She took the cake. I broke down because I felt I couldn't catch a break. Another tale of a lost soul. Study said that I wouldn't live to be old. Shy boy, hoop dreams. The world is so cold. They used to bully me. But then I finally struck gold. One, two, and you don't stop. I fell in love when I got introduced to hip hop. My new release, we all need a good release. See, when I put my pen and pad, it gave me total inner peace. So let me introduce the new me to me. Confidence erupted. I was truly thankful, blessed, no longer just a guest in my own mind. My friends, dig deep and you will find that greatness lives in you, so go retrieve it in your mind. Keep pushing through. Be patient. It will happen in due time. See, the fish can only bite if you keep casting out your line. So believe in you. Block out the shade and let your sun shine on through. Because that's exactly what I did. That's Hell the hip-hop yeah, verse. <laughs> that is awesome, man. Dude, I love that. And I actually got a pretty damn good sense of your story through that. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, good good freaking job, man. I appreciate that. We, I actually have an album coming. You know, I do hip-hop, too. I have an mm-hmm. album coming out called uh, The Push Through. The Push Through Project. Basically, songs that help people push through uh, all their trials and tribulations, everyday walks, power-ups and workouts and things like that. And that song is, is a song called Believe in You. Mm. and uh it's uh it's one of my favorites it, it tells a lot of my story and it goes it's a little bit longer but i mean that's the kind of the nuts and bolts of it right there yeah right right so basically what i talked about is you know i i grew up uh my mom died when i was four years old mm. we're from uh i'm i'm in tulsa oklahoma live in tulsa oklahoma born and raised my mom and my dad grew up in a place called hugo oklahoma small town about five thousand people my mom got sick she was 22 years old something like that and she got sick you know they don't have big hospitals or anything like that she went to a clinic and they diagnosed her symptoms and they misdiagnosed her they gave her the wrong medicine medicine they gave her prescription they gave her messed up her kidneys Jeez. and uh yeah and so she was told that she shouldn't have any kids and she found out that she was pregnant and doctor told her to abort me and friends and family everybody was like listen you know you may not make it the baby may not make it and she was like listen i'm gonna i'm gonna have my baby and it's so crazy because my book is coming out here in the next month or so oh wow and uh i was watching steel magnolias and it's the two it's twofold i was watching steel magnolias and it wasn't it, you know it, it wasn't the julia roberts version it was a version with with the, the rapper queen latifah in it mm-hmm. and uh and so it's a funny story with queen latifah i was just I was in the room with my wife. We were, I came downstairs and my wife was watching it. And I looked up and I saw Queen Latifah. And I'm like, okay, what's Queen Latifah? And she said, it's still Magnolias. Well, Queen Latifah was one of my idols growing up. When I was younger, pursuing my hip hop career, I performed on a show with her in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Oh, no shit. She was on the TV show Living Single at the time. And uh, when we came off the stage, you know, me and... Um, my best friend, is his name is Daryl Davis. We call him the Deekster. Me and his player 1000 and the Deekster. We still a rap group to this day. We're still best friends. We performed. And we had a, it was a great show. We came off the stage. I come off the stage. First thing person I see is Queen Latifah. And she looks right at me and she's like, bro, 
y'all had the crowd rocking though. And I just, I was like, what? I was blown away. Never forget that. So that's why every time I see Queen Latifah, I'm in, you know, I'm intrigued. Right. And so I started watching the stories. She was telling me the stories about a young lady who uh, was wanting to have a baby, but had kidney issues and she wasn't supposed to have a baby. She had a baby. About a year or so later, she passed away. So it just really just messed me up. I'm like, that's my story. Right. So right. my mom wound up having me when I was four years old. She died. Kidney failure. Jeez. So now I'm with my dad. My dad's a workaholic. So he needed some help. Brought in a lady who eventually became my stepmom, mentally abusive, mm. drug addicted, alcoholic, smoked a lot of weed, smoked a lot of crack. Mm. There's a whole bunch, and mentally abusive. Never physical, thank goodness, but she was very mentally abusive. And so it made me this shy, introverted kid. I had a lot of fear of her, and I had a lot of fear of people in general. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I used to get bullied. I mean, crazy story. I was in uh, sixth grade. And I was leaving, and, we, and of course, I lived in the hood. I grew up in the hood, the hood in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and so we would walk to school. You know, it wasn't too far from where we lived. So I was on my way home, and I cut, cut through this trail. I look up, and I got three guys that just start chasing me. And I'm running, you know. I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, I can't, I can't let them catch me. I'm trying to run to safety, you know. Caught me, picked me up, body slammed me, boom. Punched me in the stomach, punched me in the stomach. Swimming pool right across the street. They drug me to the swimming pool. Now, this is the hood. Swimming mm-hmm. pool wasn't open, but somebody had cut a hole in the fence. Right. Pulled me through the swimming pool. Threw me in the water. Held me up, to, up under the water. Held me up under the water. I just knew I was about to die. I'm fighting. I'm fighting. I'm fighting. And I just, I was like, man, I'm dead. I just I already knew it. Dude. I felt like I was under there for two minutes. Mm-hmm. Last second, they pulled me up. <gasps> Catching my breath. You know, I'm just sitting there defeated. They hop out the pool, laugh, and run away. You know? Mm-hmm. And I remember just saying to myself, you know, I got to find a way to overcome this, right? Because I was just shy. And I was bullied. I was a smart kid, too. And so when I'm going home, you know, I remember sitting on the ledge of that pool. And I just, like, said a prayer. I was like, you know, God, I need you to give me something. I need a sign. I need something to give me some strength. I, I can't keep being, feeling like this, you know. Right. I'm already gone. I'm being bullied. I feel less than. I don't feel like I'm enough. And, uh, man, I promised. I don't know. Shortly after that, I'm watching TV. That was back when we had to use a hanger wire and, and wire pliers to turn the channel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching one of the few channels we had, and a show called Night Tracks came on. And I saw a group called Run DMC. Mm-hmm. And there was a song they had for the video called, video for a song called Rockbox. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was done. I'd heard Rappers Delight and some of the other rappers, but when I saw Run DMC, I was like, that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I was a basketball player, I was a football player, but I was short. And I didn't like to get tackled. So I was like, Daddy, would you give me some music equipment? He right. was like, but you play basketball, though. I said, but I'm short, though. He said, but you play football. I said, make tackle, it hurt. <laughs> I'm going to do some music. So he got me some equipment on, on Christmas. And I started rewriting Run DMC raps. They were the king of rock. I was the king of rap. Whatever they, mm-hmm. whatever they came up with, I'll rewrite it. And I want, to be, oh, I want to be the DJ. I want to be a beatbox. I want to be everything musically, you know. Right. And the uh, only problem was I was shy. Mm. So I wasn't like, it wasn't like I was going to get in front of, uh, I didn't feel like I was going to get in front, on stage in front of people and do it because I was too shy, you know. Right. And, uh, but I was preparing myself. And so I was in ninth grade. A guy named Ernest Walker came over to my house, a local friend. He said, man, they're having a talent show at a high school, man. You want to be in it with me? Be in a talent show? You mean like me get in front of people? 
He's like, dude, you can get you got you got all the equipment. I know you're writing raps. I know what you're doing. I said, that's for me. That's for my personal use. Those are my personal releases to deal with life and deal with these bullies and stuff. I don't plan on being in front of nobody doing anything. I was mm. scared. Deep down inside, I really wanted to do it. It's amazing in life when somebody believes in you more than you believe in yourself, when somebody sees something in you that you don't even see in yourself. Mm-hmm. This dude came on my house for the next 14 days straight. I am not exaggerating. Dude, you're going to be in a talent show? No. You're going to be in a talent show? No. I'm not. Stop asking. Right. 14 days straight. No, nope, 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 nope. That dude wore me down. <laughs> wore me down. <laughs> Day 14. Oh, Ernest decided he's going to take a different approach. He's like, listen, I came over here 14 days straight. He said, you're going to be in a talent show? Stop acting like a little old punk. I was like, you just call me a punk? Yeah. Nobody's punk. <laughs> I said, before I knew it, you know, I just snapped, I'll do it, leave me alone. Right, exactly. Oh, my God, I didn't commit it. You know, those days, if you, your, your word was your bond. So if you gave somebody your word, you was going to do it. Right. And so, man, I just remember after I committed, I, I was finding every way to talk myself out of it. Negative mm-hmm. self-talk. Negative self-talk. Oh, you can't do it. They're going to laugh at you. You're going to mess up, da-da-da-da-da. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. Something just said, Stop. Stop with all that doggone negative self-talk. You know mm-hmm. you can do it. You know you're ready for this. And so at that moment in time, I stopped. I, I changed it. I started telling myself that how much I could do it. Mm-hmm. I started putting myself in position to be successful. I told myself, you know what? No more run DMC raps. Write your own rap. Come on with your own style. I got determined. Mm-hmm. I was in the process of overcoming that fear, but I had to climb over that, that hurdle, that, that, that obstacle of adversity, that obstacle of fear that a lot of us are facing. I had to jump. Right. And so I started rapping. I started getting in the mirror preparing. I started telling myself, I can do this. I can do this. I know I can do this. I got this. Can't nobody stop me. Can't nobody hold me back. Now, it wasn't even a talent show. <laughs> it was just a tryout. Right. It, it was 20 people out there, and they were all people in the tryouts. I felt like it was 20,000. Yeah. Like I was it. Like I was at Madison Square Garden or something. Right. They called my name. I was Rap Master Chill back then. That was my rap name. Rap Master Chill. I love it. Oh, my God. I was scared to death, man. But I was scared. I was scared, but I I was prepared, though. Mm -hmm. They said my name. The beat came on. I took a deep breath. The exact first four boys I said were, call me Mr. Chiller. Don't call me at all. Because when I'm on the mic, I'm standing tall. I'm five foot four when I'm talking to you. But when I'm on the mic, I'm seven, two. (laughs) Because <laughs> I was short, you know. Right. When I was on the mic, I felt tall. Yeah. Man, everything in my life changed. All the shyness went away. The confidence came. Personality erupted. They all know my name. And all of a sudden, man, that's why I say hip-hop changed my life. Because from that moment on, I, I walked I walked with a different – I had a different walk about me. I had a different mm-hmm. aura about me. I had a different vibe about me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just changed everything about me. All the, I stopped being shy. I stopped getting bullied. All the guys used to bully me. They started protecting me. Wow. They respected me and they protected me. And wow. all of this comes because I, 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 I had somebody that believed in me more than I believed in myself, mm-hmm. which I think everybody has that. It's just a matter of tapping into it and actually receiving it. And then I overcame the fear. I jumped. Mm-hmm. And I've been jumping in everything I've done ever since. And I've been crazy with everything I've been doing ever since, meaning I've did more than most people would do. I've did more than average people would do. I'm the founding father. I'm one of the founding fathers of hip hop in Oklahoma. 
Like, oh, so wow. I was the first one to be on the radio. I was the first one to have records and, you know, uh, CDs and stuff in the stores. First one to have a national distribution deal. And from there, hip hop took me to Yokohama and Tokyo, Japan to perform. People pay, pay upwards of $500 for just one of my CDs on auctions on eBay. And, you know, we have this big following overseas. Matter of fact, I mailed off. This is what's crazy. Today, this day. About 30 minutes before I got here, I mailed off a batch of cassette tapes. What? To a to a fan that wanted some of my old music. Holy shit. Cassette tapes. Oh my god. No lie. I kid you, no lie. No lie. Unreal. (laughs) Unreal. I'm like, you want cassettes? Right. And then they don't pay, you know, they pay you, you know, good money for it, you know. Of course. But that's I mean, that that's and that's just a piece of my story. But I mean, hip hop got me got me moving in the right direction i'll say that overcoming fear dude that is awesome man i love how thank you for sharing your story first of all it got me fired up and and (laughs) i i've definitely experienced that in my own life like where there's been something that like i know i want to do deep down but there was that fear behind me Mm -hmm. and all it takes and like the power (laughs) of just i love how you said that you would just tell yourself i can do this i got this this is gonna be you know i'm gonna crush this thing the power of positive self-talk is unreal. Man. I mean, it allow you to to get right up front. So, like for you, like I know you you mentioned some of those like things exactly like you said, like I can do it. But are there any other kind of things that you know you say to, you said to yourself in your past that allow you to get you know through to the other side, or things that you tell yourself today that maybe our listeners can you know tell themselves to get Ooh. their own belief? Yeah, up? definitely. I, I'm doing so many things. I have so many hands in the fire right now, and there's so many days where I may not feel like doing this or doing that. Yeah. I and whenever agree. that happens, I, I just, I, I say it out loud. I tell people inner negative self-talk can be obliterated by positive, powerful outer self-talk. Oh, so If I feel like not doing it, I'll be like out loud, do it anyway. Just get started. Do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times I talk to people it's so crazy because I talk to people all the time that feel like, especially about relationships, that feel like they can't get over somebody mm-hmm. that mistreated them. And it's like, oh, I just can't get past this person. Oh, this person, they've moved on and they left me for this person. I'm like, listen, first and foremost, you deserve better. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's not fair for you to wallow in misery while that person is moved on and is living life every day without a care in the world. And I tell them, whenever you start seeing, whenever you, something triggers you to think about them and you start feeling sad, you immediately say out loud, stop it. Mm. That person is not for me. That person didn't want me in their life. Right now, I have to be determined to overcome this situation and become the best version of myself. So at least when that person sees me in the future, at least I know they got to think, man, I might have messed up. Right. Man, I might have made a mistake. But anytime negative self-talk comes in, you, you immediately say something on the outside. Nope, ain't got time to think like that. I, like my boy D, my boy D said, been working at UPS his whole life. And I worked at UPS a long time ago, delivering boxes at 3.30 in the morning. From 3.30 to 7, it was, that's one of the hardest jobs in the world. Oh, I, I, I would say. I Always hard. Boxes just coming, you throwing, throwing boxes. And I'm an entrepreneur. I have an entrepreneur mindset. My bro D has a worker mindset. Mm. And I never forget because why? what I always struggled to stay on a nine to five job. It just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. But what would happen is I was, so I, I would, my, my mental self-talk didn't work for working a job. 
because when I was working there, I'd be thinking, man, I could be at home writing a rap. Or I could be at home making phone calls. Or I could be at home doing this or doing that. And that would lead me to leaving. And so I tried that. We was working one day, and I tried to hit him with one of those lines. I said, dude, don't you think about all the other stuff you could be doing? He was like, bro, don't ever say that to me. Mm. I, ca I, cannot, I cannot afford to think like that. Interesting. I have to stay focused on what I'm doing because if I start letting my brain drift, then maybe I won't want to be won't want to stay here. I, maybe I'll want to leave and I need to be here because this is what I have to do. Hmm. And that's what it is. People are not strong enough to realize the things that they can't let enter into their brain. I always compare it to a volcano. We all have a positive side to us and a negative side. We've all been taught good. We've all been taught bad. That bad, you need to leave it dormant in the back like a volcano and never let it erupt. But what happens is the bad erupts in us and we have the good back that's dormant. Mm. So you need to, we have to find a way to keep that good in the forefront. That, that, that the focus is on what can I do? Be solution-minded. I tell people all the time, when you come to me with your problems, let's be solution-minded. Don't keep telling me, the woe is me because at the end of the day it's not woe is me it's oh it's me because most of the things that we do are self-inflicted mm -hmm. so let's figure out i don't care what step you got to take today to clean up this mess what do you need to do let's get started mm -hmm. and so yeah so i have a lot of things that i'll say to myself yep do it anyway nope i can't think like that it's just a lot of positive things that i say to stop me from to, to, to obliterate that negative self-talk dominate yeah, Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And I, I totally agree that positive self-talk is, is so powerful. And to me, I think it gets um, a little poo-pooed nowadays, right? Because it's like mantras and all that stuff. But like, it literally is so powerful, especially when you say it outwards and like, because it has some more emotion and more power to it. And your brain's going to be like, oh, this is really powerful. I've probably should listen to him right now so it's going to override that like you said and then yes. you know keep that negative talk dormant while you're putting the forefront to the positive because it switches yeah. your focus too and yeah. i love that and what i really loved um in your uh explanation there was that you said that most um issues and problems that we have in our life are self-inflicted and i like a hundred percent agree and so and I think this relates back to your concept, which I saw in one of your Instagram videos called the, the mental prison, right? Like mm. when, I think when people don't realize that a lot of the problems are self-inflicted, they can be in their own mental prison, like you say. Yeah. So for the person listening right now, there's probably a few people listening who are getting maybe a little ticked off and they're saying, what's self-inflicted? Like, what about all this like <laughs> bad shit that just happened to me in life? Like for you, for your example, right? Your mother passed away when you were four, right? And so how do you reframe like situations like that where, where you can be accountable and solution oriented and not be kind of like the victim, which is what I think you're trying to get at. Let me say this first. And I say this all the time. Each and every one of our lives comes with its own set of built in problems. Mm. Like my mom died. That was going to happen to me. That was predetermined. Certain things are going to happen to us that are just predetermined. We don't have no control over. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that we have to overcome. But here's what happens is we all, we're going to get all those already. Mm -hmm. And of course, and, and we all know some get them way worse than others. Absolutely. Way worse. Whatever most of us can think of that's bad is nothing compared to what somebody else is going through. Mm -hmm. the, problem, the problem was with me is that I had all these problems I already was going to get. I was already going to get mom passing away, mean stepmom, 
be short. I was going to be shy. All this stuff was already there. But then when you start adding stuff to them, you know, like me, you know, fa falling prey to the streets and selling drugs or having babies out of wedlock and all these uh, getting, getting, uh, not driving around with suspended licenses and getting tickets all the time and all this negative stuff that was going on that I was self-inflicting, that I was adding, messing mm -hmm. up my credit. So now you got all these natural problems you're going to have and you just poured all this bad sauce on top of them <laughs> by doing stuff that you do. Yeah. I'm, whenever we talk about self-inflicted, we're not talking about the natural problems we're already going to get. That's already what you got to deal with. You got to mentally be strong enough to overcome those. Mm -hmm. so those are messages. There's a message in anything that comes your way. But what we have to do is figure out what the message is in our mess and clean it up. And that's what I had to do. That was what was so difficult that, I, that for me, I had an epiphany at the age of 26 years old. I was at 26, I already had four kids. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, I had four kids at 26. I was in the middle. It was so crazy. I had this tug of war going on in life. I was this rap, this, this, this regional rap star, player 1000. But on the other side, I had this, I was living this reckless life, having babies out of wedlock and just doing all this stu stupid stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Here's what changed me. Changed me at that moment in time. I was 26. I was dating a female that had five kids. I had four kids. You would oh catch me on any given weekend in a minivan with nine kids going to the fun house to play video games. Holy Toledo. Crazy. I had my biological kids with me, right? I was a weekend dad. I would get my kids out because the kids live with their mom. Yeah. But I was reckless still. So I would always have a tickets. I was I always have a warrant out for my rest. I would drive around with no insurance. Back then, you could go get the fake insurances. I lived in the hood. So you could get a quick, easy fake insurance ID if you got pulled over and go show it to them. They didn't have all the computer stuff now where they can check it. You right. know what I mean? Right, right. Condition. So I get pulled over with my four kids in the car. And their, their youngest was two, oldest was six. Holy crap. I get taken to jail right in front of my kids. Oh, man. So as I sit in that jail, because it was on the weekend, so I had to stay in jail Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because I couldn't get out until Monday. I'm in the jail cell. And people know me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a, local, I'm a local superstar. Like, player, player. They, they call me player because rapper name's Player 1000. Player, what you doing in jail? Like, dude, I, you know, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I sat there, man, and I just, again, I just was like, man, I, gotta, I need a sign. I got to do something. I got to change. Lord, you know, you got to give me some clarity. I'm living reckless. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I need, I need, I, I, but, but I don't understand why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm just living. I was happy-go-lucky. So I never, like my bro D, we're totally opposite. We're best friends, but he, he calculated every moment. I lived for every moment and didn't calculate very much. Mm -hmm. Total opposites, best friends. He was like a, like a father figure, my exact same age. And his life went a lot smoother because he just went and worked a good job, got benefits, did had all the you know did all the stuff with me. You know he rode with me. It's my ride or die. So he would all he like make some music, but didn't, didn't have any babies out of wedlock and none of that stuff. Just set himself up for a smooth ride. My ride was bumpy, and so I prayed. And a week later, man, I just went to bed like any other normal day. Woke up, my brain was different. I looked, I was just, I remember just staring at the ceiling. It was like my cerebral cortex or something that kicked in that, that, that part of your brain that, that, that handles your reasoning. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden it all made sense. Everything made sense. I was like, Oh my God, I messed my credit. I could see it. 
before I didn't realize how big of a mess I had made, how deep of a hole I had dug for myself. And in that moment, while I sat there, while I laid there, actually, staring at the ceiling, the first thing that came into my brain was, I got to get my kids. I had never before thought that I would have to gain custody of my children. They mm-hmm. live with their mom in the hood, in a bad area. And so I was like, ooh, I was doing a little bit better than her. I was living in a better area, one mm-hmm. bedroom apartment. I was like, oh, I got to get custody of my kids. At that moment in time, it stopped being about me. It started being about them. And it, it never was like that before. I was like, hey, I get my kids on the weekend. We're going to have a good time. Take them back home. That moment in time, it all changed. God was like, you, you got to get those kids. You got to keep those kids out of harm's way. They in mm-hmm. a bad place right now. I was like, well, how do I do it? A week later, kid you not, mom calls me. Their mom calls me. You know, can you keep the kids for a little bit? I'm in a, I'm, I'm going through a tough time right now, and I just need a little time to try to work through it. I was like, yeah, okay, I'll get them. Went and got them. They stayed with me. One bedroom apartment. They slept on pallets. They was excited to sleep on pallets. We were stressed out. I was stressed out. They was excited, you know. Wow. You know, and, and that's one thing too. You know, anybody out there that's having has kids and you're going through a rough patch, kids don't see it the way you kids don't see struggle the way adults do. Yeah, it's true. You'll be going through the roughest of times, and the kids will be happy as I'll get out. <laughs> don't even feel it. So don't beat yourself up so bad. Just keep doing the best that you can, and don't feel bad because most of the time the kids are okay. Right. So anyway, I'm stress, stressing, trying to figure this out. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I got three girls, by the way, which means that I had to try to do some hair. And th- yeah, that wasn't very good. <laughs> but <laughs> So their mom calls me back about two weeks later. She's like, can you bring the kids back? I feel I'm in a better place. I was like, okay, I'm bringing them back under one condition. She's like, well, what's that? If you call me again, I'm going to keep them for good. Mm. Of course, she didn't believe me. She, uh, this, hey, this, I'm from the hood, They're, Daddy's one. Well, daddy don't don't raise four kids. So it's like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, oh yeah, I'll do it. I do. I get a call from somebody she knew, right? A little bit after, this, she's like, you you need to get those kids. She they're 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 in a bad place. They're seeing some bad things out there. And so I said, okay. So I'm steady preparing myself mentally. I'm already there. I was in a big deep financial hole because of all the mistakes I made, but I was in a really good mental place. Mm-hmm. So anybody out there? When you financially have put yourself in a bad place, once you understand mentally that you can overcome and you get excited about the process of climbing out of the hole and take it one step at a time and never look up and also never look down, you're, in a, you're gonna be okay. Mm. You're gonna be okay. And that's where I was at. I was okay. I was okay in here. When you're okay in here, it's very little that can affect you out here. Yeah. That's the whole key to life. Be okay in here. And mm-hmm. then when you're okay out here, you're winning. Yeah. Okay? So anyway, a couple of weeks later, she called me back a couple of weeks later. Can, I get, can you get the kids again? I'm kind of in that place again. I was like, okay, now remember what we talked about. She was like, what's that? I told you I was going to keep the kids if you asked me to get them again. She's like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, keep the kids. That's great. Keep the kids. <laughs> First thing I did is I went, I had three of them that went to school. First thing I did is went and withdrew them from their school. Mm. Now imagine a, 20-something-year-old black guy going to withdraw three kids from a school with no ID or no <laughs> nothing. They just let me take them. You know, that was so crazy. That's so and I, Yeah, and they were like, they, they, they got to be his kids. Because, I mean, 
you know, they did have my last name, but they right. gotta be his kids because ain't, ain't no way no black guy gonna come just take three kids and, <laughs> you know. So I, talk, I explained to them what was going on, where they were gonna go on, where they were gonna be going in there. And they were excited for them. They were like, man, that's a, good, that's a good school district. They're gonna do well, or that's mm-hmm. a good school. Took them out there, got them enrolled in the school, you know. Uh, she called me back about a week later. Well, I'm in a better place. Can you bring them back? I was like, uh, Mm, they don't even go to the same school no more. Mm. She's like, what? It's like, I told you that, I told you what I was going to do. And so we had to have a long heart to heart, you know, reluctantly, reluctantly, she agreed. She agreed to let me keep them. And I, and, and so at that moment in time, I gained what I call hood custody. Because we never, we never, we never went to court. We never went to court. Oh I gained good custody of the kids. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, and and I kept them. I kept them all the way until they went to college. Right. So uh, we it was just crazy. But and and I but I know I made the right decision because shortly after that her her boyfriend was murdered. Oh, so shit. yeah, that's the type of environment that they were in. So I knew I made the right decision. And so you guys, you wake up and, and, and you get a sign and you get an epiphany. You have to follow through for it, through with it. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times it, whether it's you or whether it's a kid or a friend or a family member, somebody's life might depend on it. Right, right. Yeah. So make I- sure you follow through with those, those signs and those epiphanies and that intuition. Intuition tells you a whole lot of truth. You just got to believe it. You got to believe yeah. it. Oh, I totally agree. Um, And I think, yeah, like having a point where you can hit rock bottom, like the one that you did in your story, like getting carried away from your kids and getting them taken away. It's like, holy shit, like that can wake you up and rattle you. So my my question to you is like for someone who's like, oh man, like I don't want to wait until rock bottom or maybe they just don't even realize the path that they're going down. Like for example, like someone who might be eating unhealthy every single day and they don't realize like they're going to get eventually overweight or disease or something, or maybe someone who is, you know, in a job that deep down they're that entrepreneur mindset, like you said, yeah. and they don't realize that if they don't like have an epiphany or, or maybe they don't wake up earlier, like 10 years down the road, they're going to realize, Oh shit, I haven't been chasing what I really want to do. Yeah. So how can people learn to have that epiphany? Like before it gets to that rock bottom situation. If yeah. And I think a lot of it is, it's, it's a desire and a want and understanding. I tell people all the time, know what you stand for, mm-hmm. know what your values are and know what 10 years down the line should look like for you. Mm-hmm. Be proactive. And that's the hard part because when your mind is not there, you're just not there. I coach, I coach a girl's basketball and I, I, I like to coach little ones because I teach them how to play. But when their parents have never played and have never coached girls, they have a mind, a thought process of how it should work, but they don't know how it really works. Right. And that's what it is in life. You know, when you can't see, you can't see. Yeah. So to answer your question, that's why I, I think that sometimes a person has to look five years down the line and 10 years down the line and see what they and visualize the success that they want to be having and then reverse engineer, work their mm-hmm. way back to where they're at right now. Mm-hmm. And if you and, and I'm not just talking about financially, I'm talking about, like you said, health wise, talking about. Uh, significant otherwise i'm mm-hmm. talking about where do you want to live i'm talking about what kind of car do you want to drive uh, uh what type of salary do you want to make where you get, get where you live in a rounded life because just having money does not make you happy oh yeah 
you know, just having money doesn't make you. And I, I know some of your listeners are like, Fry, hey, give me a chance. Let me see. Get, <laughs> let me get the money. I, I mean, I'll get that a try. I get it. I get it. But we know this because there are a lot of people that are very wealthy and very successful that wind up committing suicide. Mm-hmm. And we see this happening all the time. And it's a lot of because they didn't know how to function in here. Mm. Dealing with everything out here. Mm-hmm. You know, my whole mission in life is, is, is to help people change the way they think. Mm. And a lot of it starts with you realizing that we as individuals give meaning to everything. Yeah. We have societal norms. Society has, has skewed us or led us to think the way we think. Mm-hmm. Societal norms. But you don't, you're not bound by any change of what a societal norm is. Being human beings, we know what's right. We know what's wrong. But I want you to realize you have the power to change the meaning or change the narrative of anything. It's like we're on this phone. If you call me a derogatory name, I have the right to not process that the way you said it. Yes. I could process what you said and give it a totally different meaning. And that's going to determine how I react to what you said. You might say, oh, Fred, you're a devil. And I'm, I'm going to process that. I'm like, yeah, I am a great guy. You're like, what are you talking about? Because society has told you that devil means bad. Well, no, I, I processed it and made it mean something good. I'm a handsome little devil, you know, right. or something like that, you know. <laughs> I love so, it. I'm just saying in life, guys, you give meaning to everything. So you decide what, you should, what it should look like for you 10 years down the line and try to make it well-rounded. What do you want your mate to look like? What do you want your house to look like? What do you want your car to look like? What do you want your job or your business to look like? You know, and, and that's when you can say, reverse engineer back to where you're at now and say, ooh, if I'm going to be healthy, then I got to start making some changes here. Okay, if I'm going to have the mate that I want, ooh, I better stop hanging out over there because those are not the people that I want to be hanging out. Those are not my mates. Mm -hmm. If I want to make the type of money I want, oh, okay. So instead of just working at McDonald's, I need to start thinking about owning a McDonald's. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or I need to go back to school to get this degree or I need to get this trade or whatever the case may be. So you have to, if, if the epiphany doesn't hit you, you have to create the epiphany. And I think whenever things happen for me in my life that changed, that's when I, when I took a moment and, and prayed to a higher being and I, I took it away from me and I asked for the help. Mm. Okay, this is bad. This happened to me. Mm. And, you know, I don't want this to keep happening. Why does this keep happening? Can you give me a sign give me something give me something that i can take and run with it Mm -hmm. give me something i can take and run with and in life you will get opportunities but will you take them and run with it i always say this hey hey uh greatness greatness is gonna call you but will you answer the phone greatness is gonna knock at your door but will you open up and let it in And a lot of times greatness calls and we send it straight to voicemail yeah yeah, the greatness no. calls and we think it's a bill collector. They knock at our door and we don't even answer the door. Mm-hmm. So visualize, see yourself in five to 10 years and then, then reverse engineer back and, and clean up whatever you need to clean up. So you, and you give yourself a better chance of being there in five or 10 years at your right. destination and next level. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. I love that so much. And you literally spoke to my soul when you were saying that we as humans are meaning creation machines. Mm, like we, mm. everything that we assign meaning to 
ultimately determines how we feel, what our outlook on life is, our actions, everything like that. Like, and I love the example that you said, I can call you one thing, but you perceive it as something else and you're going to feel a so, total different way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so to weave that into what you talk about opportunities, is it that, do you believe at least in your mind that when you ask for more opportunities, actually more opportunities arise? Or do you just believe that you start to change your perception so that like you start to create new opportunities? Like what's kind of like the, like how do those things kind of weave in together? I, 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 I honestly, honestly believe that when you make a decision to move in a certain direction, you mm-hmm. create a certain type of energy. Mm-hmm. And, th- and this, works, this works positively and negatively. Mm-hmm. You know, I have I have friends and I have family members that that decided to move in a negative move toward in a negative light, and they poured negative energy into their life. Mm-hmm. Each and every day, you are doing something that's leading you to some type of success. And what I mean by that is, in a sense, okay, okay, friend of mine, person I know kept committing the same crime over and over again. Mm. Small crime. But when you do a small crime over and over again, eventually it becomes a big crime. So he woke up every day and was leading himself to the success of the penitentiary, Mm. which in the real world we will call that failure. But if I'm working towards something, when I achieve it, I'm actually getting, gaining the success of what I was working toward, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So I say that to say is that when he got to the point where they finally caught him, well, he got caught six or seven times. But that seventh time, they told him he was going to go back to the penitentiary. Mm-hmm. And that's when he lost his mind. I can't go back. I can't. I'm saying, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop. Everything you did each and every day was execution of a plan to get you back to the penitentiary. But mm-hmm. you thought it was execution of a plan to give you petty cash for you to live every day. No, you were executing a perfect, a perfect, you executed perfect, a perfect game plan to go back to the penitentiary. You executed, uh, you executed to perfection a game plan that gave you the success of going to the penitentiary. Right. And so I said, you just have to go sit it down and then here's the deal. When you get back out, Try a different game plan if mm-hmm. you want to achieve a different result or a different outcome. So the whole point of what I was saying was, is that when you create, when you like, like, like him, when he gets out, if he starts taking the steps to live in a positive life and doing positive things, the universe, things will start falling seemingly out of the blue, start falling into place to help him go to a better place. Mm-hmm. in life a friend of mine down and she was having a rough time living you know rough patch just started surrounding herself with with positive people mm-hmm. surrounding herself with positive people all of a sudden somebody gave her a car wow somebody gave her a car but she doesn't get that blessing if she doesn't surround herself with the right people and, that, and it's different things for different people mm-hmm. but i know once i started making it just like when i said i got to get my kids what happened all of a sudden I got my kids. I didn't have to go fight her to get my kids. The universe, okay, this is bad over. Let's, let's, let's set this up for this to happen. And it mm-hmm. did. Right. And it did. You know what I mean? And, and so, and just like, you know, when I, when, when I got bullied, they almost killed me. And I sat there and I was like, give me a sign. Run mm-hmm. DMC. Mm-hmm. Ernest Walker. I got the signs. But it's up to me 
to take those signs and run with them and make something of them. And, 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 but, but if once you start walking in the right light or the wrong light, things are going to happen to help you be successful. Right. So, so that's why I mean, know what you want to know what your life looks like. Don't just go with the flow. Know what you know, what you should, what you want to look like in five to 10 years. It's, right. it's possible. Oh, hey, hey, you're doing this podcast. You're not a Martian. I'm on your <laughs> podcast about to release a book, releasing albums, release motivational videos every week, help people become better, best versions of themselves. I'm not a Martian. We, and, and, and the level of success on, on, as it relates to what societal norms, our level, level of success is not super high, but mm-hmm. it's way more than most people because we, we took action. Yeah. But we, we're real humans. Yeah. I was really broke. Mm-hmm. I was really in, in jail. I really sold drugs. I really got bullied. I really raised four kids on myself, my own. I really didn't know how we were going to make it through. But I'm in a much better place right now. And you can too. We're regular human beings. Yeah. You can, you can, you can, you can be better. You can, you can overcome whatever hole you're in. If I came out of my hole, I promise you, you can come out of yours. Yeah. Regular people. I love that, man. And I totally agree, man. Like I was uh, addicted to drugs at one point and feel wow. about myself. And now, yeah. you know, again, got this podcast. So I think, you know, you and I are just great examples of like, yeah. you know, yeah. especially you, cause I think more so you than me to be a dead honest. Um, you're an example of, you know, you can get out of any situation that you're in and, and yeah. I guarantee, you know, there's, 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 you know, a lot of people out there who are going through something tough, but I love how you're just a beacon of hope for those people yeah. that whatever situation that they're in, they can turn it around and be as successful, but not just successful, ultimately fulfilled with their life. There you go. Uh, like you are today, man. And so yeah. I, I love, I love this conversation. Thank you so much for sitting here and, and, and sharing your insight. And so for my last quick question here, what does fulfillment mean to you and what fulfills you in life? Fulfillment means to me uh, that, I, again, like I said before, is that I'm okay on the inside as I try to function through this world on the outside. Mm-hmm. And what's fulfilling to me is being able to be in a place where I can take care of my family, where I can be a blessing to a lot of other people and a lot of other families with the things that I do on a daily basis. And not not and and feel good that the, for the fact that none of it is 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 money driven. Mm-hmm. I'm not a money driven individual, and so I have an inner peace, and I work hard to think things through before I do them. And I'm blessed to have the health that I have at this moment in time, and to be in the situation that I that I'm in at this time because success is very very subjective. So I generate a nice income. But that's not the only thing that drives me. I'm happy with the way I feel. I'm happy with the way that my surrounding, the people around me feel. I'm just happy. Be, I'm happy to be here with you, man. That's part of fulfillment. Being able yeah, to man. be asked to be on a great podcast. Oh, just you. When, you, when you wake up every day and you know, you bring, you, you, you know you're putting yourself in a position to leave a legacy and leave the world a little bit better than you found it, that's the fulfillment that I get every day. Oh, I love that, man. Freddie, you're awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Man, it's been a phenomenal time. And I, I, hey, just make sure your listeners know they can overcome and win. And this is a great day to win. It's a great life to win. It's Let's a great go. life to win, man. I love it. <laughs> a great note to end it on, man. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Freddie. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, bro.
All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Art of Fulfillment. It means the absolute world to us that you have taken the time out of your very busy day to listen to this podcast because we know that uh, there are a lot of podcasts out there and the fact that you picked us is really, really special. So we want to say thank you so, so much. And if this podcast has added value to you in any way possible, we would appreciate it if you rated or reviewed it because it allows us to reach more people and to help as many people as possible create fulfilling lives for themselves. So you can do that if you so choose to. You can follow us on Instagram at Art of Fulfillment. You can follow me, your host, Joe Corsione, at Joe Corsione on Instagram for any tips on personal development, meditation, fulfillment, finding your purpose in life, all of the above, and so much more we have on both those pages. And you can always feel free to DM us if you wish or have any questions, and we are more than happy to answer you guys. Thank you so much, everybody, and we'll see you next Wednesday. And remember, create a fulfilling life for yourself.